Welcome to Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook and Instagram. And please use the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you, and enjoy today's service. Good morning, Now Church. How you guys doing this morning? Come on, I said good morning, Now Church. How y'all doing this morning? I thought I was church this morning. Isn't this supposed to be the most loud, incredibly just, I'm going to throw back a word called crunk, just live place, right? I said, how y'all doing now, church? There you go. Fantastic. Uh, welcome to everybody watching online. Glad you're uh, checking this out, maybe at home. Hopefully you're wearing some clothes, uh, at least some underwear. But it's going to be a fantastic Sunday um, this morning. Let's go ahead and let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your presence, your power, and for being here with us. In Jesus' name, I thank you that you open up the eyes and the hearts and the ears of every person here or watching my live stream. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Pastor Lindsay, thank you for, for um, changing some things around. He threw in that last song for, um, for us, um, or for me, rather, and I appreciate it because it's just, that song's been in my spirit the last several days, and, and the team put that up there, and there's just something powerful um, about realizing who our soul and our lives, what is anchored in. I thought it was the perfect, um, perfect song that goes along with, with this morning. So my message title, if you take notes, hopefully you are. Um, if you don't, make, today's a good, good place to start. It's called the God Touch. It's called the God Touch. Um, we're going to start with um, the thought here. Um, I don't know if you've noticed this, but we're living in a time that's been rejecting God for generations. And we're looking around, scratching our heads, wondering why. Why all the confusion that we see all around us? Why all the madness? Why are there so many people living in so much stress, anxiety? Why is there so much anger and hurt in the eyes of the people that are crying out for attention and lost? Why is there sin abounding all around us? And we're looking around wondering what's going on. Because I want to say something here, and it's this. Because when you take God out of the equation, chaos is there. I'm going to say that again. When you take God out of the equation, chaos is there. And I'll show you through Scripture from the very beginning. Genesis 1-1 says this. In the beginning, God, which is Elohim, created by forming from nothing the heavens and the earth. So if you've went to public school, you know that they don't teach what I just said right there. Again, taking God out of the equation creates chaos. Because then from... When I was in, in uh, middle and high school, they said it all happened with a big bang. And it's all a big lie. Because God created the heavens and the earth. Amen. Not some stupid bang. That's a lie from the pit of hell. But it cr- tries to create this, this questioning of, okay, what really did happen? So I'm going to tell you from the beginning, God created it. Then the earth was formless and void, waste and emptiness. And darkness was upon the face of of the primeval ocean that covered the unformed earth. To me, that is chaos. God was, his spirit was hovering over the earth and said, this is a mess. The spirit of God was hovering, brooding over the face of the waters, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good, pleasing, and useful, and he affirmed and sustained it, and God separated the light from 
the darkness. And God, God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and the morning in one day. So again, what I want to say is when God is out of the equation, there is chaos. But when God is in the equation, there is peace. There is order. There is joy. There is things that begin to make sense. Because so, time, so many times, um, do you have that next slide uh, for me, J- Jamisha, where it's you plus God is, you know, in math, they have the equal than, less than sign. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm a bit of a homeschool math teacher, so this is kind of in me. So if you don't remember, there's a, um, do you have the, the greater than, less than sign? There it is. So you have you plus God. And then, of course, this, by the way, means it's greater than. Yeah. You understand that, right? Okay. And then this means less than. So you plus God means, listen, you can take on anything because God is on your side. But then without God, God on one side, greater than, but a lot of times we're on this side of the equation. And we get frustrated thinking, why aren't things going my way? What's going on? Because you plus God, you're greater than. Because even David, King David, I said, I love how he says that if God is for me, who can be against me? And just that simple, he knew what that meant. When God is on your side, you've got the X factor. It doesn't matter what is up against you because God is with you. No matter what circumstances look like, he's got your back. So I want to say this. God wants to be close to you, but you have to want to be close to him. And it's interesting because Pastor Chris started preaching my message. I was like, man, get it, Pastor Chris. Go. Set the foundation. Because he was tapping into exactly what I'm talking about today. Because you have to go after God. You have to seek after him. The Bible says he rewards those who seek after him. So have you been going after, longing after, seeking after our father? His desire for friendship was the place in his heart where we were conceived. I'm going to say that again. God's desire for friendship was the place in his heart where we were conceived. And for some of you, that might blow your mind. That God literally, literally, excuse me, wants a relationship and a friendship with you. Because I know a lot of times growing up, we have our own viewpoints and mindsets of relationships with our own family, our own parents, our own father, or grandparents, or uncle, or whoever raised you. And you can have this mindset of, man, I had to, I had to do this and that or the other, or my, my dad did this to me, or my dad wasn't around, so I don't understand what it means to have that kind of relationship with someone who, who seems so far away. Who seems like, does God exist? Because I was taught it was all created from a big bang. There's all these questions that are flying around. But I want to tell you that God wants relationship with you. Plain and simple. So I want to ask you, how would you define your relationship with God? Is he your friend that you spend time with? Talking to each other, which is prayer. Learning about God, which is reading the Bible. Studying, listening to, to podcasts. Coming to church, which is God's community. This is family, by the way. Church is vital. Some people are like, oh, I don't need church. Yes, you do. You're deceiving yourself. If you think, ah, I'm okay by, you know, coming on Easter sometimes or, you know, my family goes, so it's okay. No, you need to be here because there's a family here that I'm telling you, even Jesus himself said, who are my mother and my brothers except those who are doing, doing the will of my father? Jesus Christ. Okay. Jesus Christ himself, the living God incarnate who came to the earth, said, who are my mother and my brothers except those who are here with me in the church doing the will of my father? 
And they said, yo, 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 your Mary's out here. You remember how special Mary is? The, the one who gave Jesus, his, you know, gave life to Jesus, all that stuff. But it was God who made Mary special, by the way. She was outside with his brothers. And he said, he looks around, he goes, who are my mother and my brothers? I'm just telling you, there's power here. So number one, are you close with, with God? What's your relationship with, with, uh, like with him? Or is he an acquaintance that you randomly bump into from time to time? Is he in every part of your life or is he just ah, an afterthought? Like, oh, yeah, cool. God, I see God there. That's great. Or is he someone that you are actively pursuing and going after? So let me ask you this. Maybe it's a trust issue. Maybe you have a trust issue with God and you're trying to figure him out and you don't know if you could trust him, put your life, you know, uh, before him and, and just, you know, because a lot of times... You'll hear, not a lot of times, every time you hear pastors preach and talk about salvation and what it means, it means bringing your life before God, laying it down. And you're like, what does that mean? I don't know if I can trust God to take care of me. So I want to say this. Maybe it's a trust issue. Where you're in a place where you don't trust God and you think you're better off without him. So I recently read this definition of trust and I want to share it with you. Trust is this, a feeling based on repeated realities. Trust is a feeling based on repeated realities. So let me ask you this. What is your repeated reality lately? Has it been based on a life lived where it's been marked, touched all over by the creator God? Where you can look at a person's life and say, man, that person, they're different. Man, God is all over them. There's something that they have that I want. Or... Is it one where you are self-taught, self-made, selfish? Because there's a defining moment. I mean, there's a definite defining between someone who has God's markings on their life and someone who does not. Because with God, you've got the X factor. Without God, you're struggling trying to do it all on your own and say, look at what I did. I would say, take heed lest you fall. Because pride comes before destruction. And the thing is, we're living in a world that says, you go for it. You could, you could do anything you want. I'm sorry. What, I'm, what I've been learning from the past 15, 20 years of reading the Bible is, God, not my will, but what's your will for my life? Because as you pursue God, and as you, the Bible says, uh, I love when Jesus and, and Peter are having the discussion on, the, on, on one of their walks, and Jesus is saying, hey, who, who do you guys say that I am? Or who are they saying that I am? They say, you're this person, that person, you're this prophet, that prophet. And then he turns to his disciples and he said, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you're Jesus. You're the son of the living God. You are the Messiah. And he goes, Peter, you're exactly right. Now that you've seen and went after who I am, I'm now going to tell you who you are. It's when we pursue God and see who he is that he turns around and tells you exactly who you are. Where you find identity and purpose. Here we are in the middle of an identity crisis in our nation, in in this generation where they're lost, confused. They don't know what, what, if they're a male, female, or a lion, or a tiger, or a bear. It's because we've taken God out of the equation and they're lost. Because we're not pointing them to the one who says and and created them and says who they really are. We need to wake up and be a praying, 
active church. It's faith and works. In other words, we need to do our part by praying for this next generation. Because I'm telling you, the videos that I see, there's so, so much hatred and anger because they're lost. And as the church, it's our responsibility to give them the light. The Bible says that we are, I'm jumping ahead of myself, but that we're the light of the world. Genesis 3.8 says this. I love this. Again, God's original intent was to be close to us, close to his creation. Genesis 3.8 says, when Adam and Eve heard the sound of God strolling in the garden. I wanted that to settle in for a second. When Adam and Eve, when they, it says, but I added Adam and Eve, heard the sound of God strolling in the garden. They hid themselves. They heard, okay, now to me, this is, I I love the scripture because God comes, he came, this is God, the creator, the creator of the universe came to hang out with his creation. And going back to the original intent, I'm telling you, I believe here that God wants a blissful state of connection with his creation. He wants to be close to us. He wants to hang out with us. And what's cool is he knows it gets hot, so he came down in the cool of the day, the Bible says. God's no fool, so he came down when it was nice and has a nice breeze, maybe a little bit of, he added some clouds. You know, that nice uh, evening breeze we get here in Florida. So he came down, he was hanging out with Adam and Eve. So what happened? I want to tell you what happened. So, so here God comes to hang out with them, probably maybe on, I think, on a daily basis. He came down to hang out like he always did, and they hid because they had one, one um, rule, don't eat of a certain tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right? But they were deceived, they sinned, and because of that, we were separated them then from God. So I want you to imagine something for me uh, for a moment. You could close your eyes if you want. You don't have to. But I I want you to kind of imagine something with me. Imagine that your parents, and online you can do this too. I don't know what camera we're on, but you can do this too. Um, Imagine that your parents were royalty. They were famous, popular. They had everything that they ever needed. They had servants, had a summer house, a winter house. And you, as their child, grew up in this kind of lifestyle. You knew nothing different. You, were, you had every care, every need that you ever, ever, every desire and whim you had taken care of you or taken care of for you. But then someone came into your life, began to deceive and lie to you about the things that weren't true. And you began to question, you began to doubt who you are and who you're supposed to be. I want to tell you something, and that's exactly where we are as a society today. The enemy has literally deceived us of who we really are. Children created from the king himself, God of the universe. We were born as children of the king. So who lied to us to make us think any different? Because we are literally heirs, the Bible says, of the king of kings and lord of lords. But we have this mindset that limits us. And it's interesting, I, was just, uh, I just happened to turn on... Uh, Jensen Franklin yesterday, I turned on my TV and he was there preaching. And guess what he's preaching about? Kingship. He's talking about how the mindset of a king is completely different than anybody else. And in fact, one story that he shared 
I didn't have this in my notes, but I'll share it real fast. So um, one of the things that he shared was there's a king that was struggling with his golf game, and he asked someone to come help him. The guy came and helped him, um, and, and the king was so blessed by this man's ability to, to teach him. And he goes, what can I do for you? I want to honor you because people see you with me and how, what a great time we've had. i got to do something for you. And he goes, well, I mean, I, I don't know, king. Um, I mean, whatever you feel to do. He goes, you know, I'm going to get you a golf club. And he goes, okay, great. So the, uh, the teacher goes home, and he's, he's at home, and all of a sudden he gets this, this letter in the mail that's sealed by the king, and he opens it, and he begins to read it, and he's flabbergasted by what he's reading. He goes, wait a second. This isn't a golf cl- This isn't a golf club. This is a golf club. <laughs> a 500-acre golf club that this king bought for this man. Kings think differently. And children of the king should think differently as well. As a mentality, we have to know that we are, we are here, not in this snobby, oh, we're better than you way, but no, knowing and a God confidence, I call it a Godfidence, that we have, that we are children of the king. And as children of the king, we have a responsibility to represent the kingdom. And so it's all about the mindset because the enemy is trying to come in and trying to get you to undermine, he's trying to undermine who you really are. Um, we need to, we need to, or excuse me, we need God to be involved and invited in our lives, but he's waiting for you to welcome him into every part of your life. Romans 12.1 says this, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you, take your everyday, ordinary life, sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Can we do that? Is that pretty easy? Anyone sleep in here? Anyone walk around? Right? Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without thinking. Be in the world, but not of the world. Fix your attention. Fix your eyes on God, just like what we were singing about today. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, dragging you down to its level of immaturity. God brings the best out of you and develops well-formed maturity in you. So let me ask you this. Why should we let God touch our lives? Why should we let him in and, and impact our lives in every area? Because it's not just about you. So many times we make it about ourselves. It's not just about you. Because what God is doing in you, it, is a, it overflows from you into other people. Everyone hold up your finger like this. All right, here we go. This is what I did in children's church. Okay, say, let, say, let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and then glorify the Lord. I didn't see everyone's finger up, but that's okay. But the, but the Bible literally says... I know this isn't really our light, but I'm, it's a representation. Don't let Satan it out, right? No, okay. I'm going to let it shine. But the thing is, we are to illuminate from our lives because of our relationship going after our seeking after God will then cause an illumination within you that other people are drawn to. Because when people are in the dark and then all of a sudden they're hit with the light, they're like, what do you have that I don't? Because people are tripping around in the darkness. And I'm not talking about going and protesting and doing this and that. I'm saying, 
Look how God or how Jesus lived his life. Did he go and protest the, the Pharisees? You suck. You suck. <laughs> no. He went and he gave the truth. And then he mic dropped and he walked away. Because the truth you hear the first time is going to offend you. But it's, in your, it's then your responsibility to A, either be offended, upset with the church when you hear the truth. Or B, like, man, there is something going on. What's God doing in my heart? I need to change and see why I'm feeling this way. Because the truth will rub you the wrong way. Uh, Nathan Finocchio put it this way. When, when you hear the truth of God for the first time, it's like a cold ice bath just hitting you. And you're like shocked. Like, oh, my gosh. What, what is this? And it wakes you up because the truth, <laughs> the truth you know is what sets you free. But you have to be willing to know the truth. You can't handle I'm just kidding. Okay. So let your light shine. Then Matthew 9, 8 goes right along with it. When the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe and glorified God who had given them such authority or had given such authority to men. So let your light shine. Jesus talked about it. And then a few chapters later, the crowd saw God moving in in and through Jesus and they glorified God because of it. He said, let your light shine. And then he walked it out and he showed them what it looked like. Um, I want to I share this story real quick with you. Um, several years ago, my wife and, and our family, uh, it was just at that point, my, uh, my wife and I and, and our son Cole, he's probably about seven, eight years old. And this is one of the coolest stories that, um, to me that, that I love. There's many others I could share, but this one goes right along with, with our story today. So uh, my son and I, we were doing some sledding and, and um, uh in Whistler, Canada. We weren't in Florida because you can't do that. But we were in Whistler, Canada on vacation. We were sledding, having a good time. First time really ever seeing my son ever saw snow. So we're having a good time going back and forth. And there was another dad and his son going down this uh, little, you know, sled hill, whatever. And at the bottom, this boy was, uh, was sledding and he fell off his sled and he hit his his nose and face on some of the hard ice. So he comes up the, the hill, bloody. It was like out of a movie. You know, he's coming up, there's blood coming out and, and all this stuff. We thought it was like maybe like a snow Sasquatch or something. And he's walking up this hill and he's crying to his dad and his dad's running to him. And my son and I were, happened to be going down like right, kind of right next to them. And, and my son's, uh, son sees the whole thing happen. And he goes, dad, dad. We got to go pray for him. That was his first response. I said, hold on, let's let the blood, you know, kind of stop first. <laughs> then let's go and pray for him. And so, because I wasn't going to squelch his faith. And so, but I said, let's let the kid get cleaned up first. That's kind of, you know, nasty. So, so we, we go up. Uh, and then my son, I mean, I'm Tony, he's just like pulling me the whole time. Like, I want to go pray for him. I so we go up to him. I said, hey, hey, um, listen, we saw what happened. And my son was really concerned. We wanted to see if we could pray for you. At that point, the little boy's like all good. And he's like already back off. Wee! Going down the slide or the sled again. And the dad looks at us. He goes, I can't believe this. He goes, actually, I'm the one that needs prayer. He said, we've been going through so much right now. I'm having issues at home. I could really use your prayer. I said, we would love to pray for you. And he goes, "We're, we're here on vacation. I said, so are we. I said, I mean, this is, that was our one and only time so far to Canada. And here God used us in that moment. 
Let your light shine. Doesn't matter where you are. Take your everyday ordinary life. Just say, God, whatever you want to do with me. You could be slide or sledding in Whistler, Canada, or you could be doing your everyday ordinary job, driving around. You get a phone call and someone needs something and you're able to help them. Or maybe you're teaching at school and there's a child or a family that's going through. Who knows? But you're there for a reason. Don't overlook it. Look for God in these situations. You could be ordering coffee in the morning and building a connection with the barista. They see something different about you. Be ready to give the reason for the hope of glory that's within you. So you have to be looking, listening for God in order for him to touch your life. Um, Jeremiah 29, 13 says, when you come looking for me, you will find me. Yes, when you get serious about finding me and want it more than anything else, I'll make sure you won't be disappointed. Man, I love that. God says, I'll turn things around for you. That's his decree. So when we get serious about going after God, he's not going to disappoint you. That's that trust issue again. God's saying, look, try me. I love how God even says about himself, I'm your exceedingly great reward. He didn't say, I'm going to give you something that's a great reward. He said, I am your great reward. And I got to tell you, from experience, having God in my life has been the best part of my entire life. Period. Without God, I would be a messed up person. I don't know how people do it without God. But when I got serious about God, I was 15, about 15 years old. 16, I remember driving up to my, my high school, and I, there's such a pressure, right, growing up, peer pressure from, from people around you. I remember getting out, stepping out of my truck at North Marion High School. It's called Cow Patty High. And I, I literally went, I smelled the cow patties that morning. And I said, God, I don't care about what other people think about me. I care about what you think about me. And there's something that changed on the inside of me. I didn't care what my friends thought or people thought about me. I lived my life, and I'm telling you, because of it, I've lived it for God. And people respected me for it because they didn't see someone that talked to talk, but I was walking the walk. Not because I was better than, it's because I had the light within me, and I I was just being myself, and I'm still myself. That's why we're our pastors. That's why we're still here, because we're just living out a life pursuing God. So there's a devotional I've been reading, uh, and in this devotional, it talks about um, waiting on God and and, and different aspects of pursuing God. And there's three words in the Old Testament that uh, that are in Hebrew that I'll show you real quick. But I thought it goes well with this. The first one is demoya, which means silently waiting with a quiet trust. Next one is called chakaya or chaka, which means to adhere, to long for, or to seek after God. So there's one, one aspect where you're silently waiting, quietly trusting. Another one is to adhere, long for. The next one is called quaver, which means to wait with eager expectation, like dad's home, I can't wait, to go give him a hug. These are aspects, personalities, different ways to seek God. Because sometimes in my life, I'm silently waiting on God. All right, God, trust you no matter what. I don't know what the circumstance is going to end up, but I trust you. 
Other times I'm walking the floor. God, in Jesus' name, I ask that you would move heaven and earth. I ask and invite you into this situation. See the difference? And the third is, God, I know that I know that I know the answer is on the way. God, you haven't failed me before, and you're not going to fail me now. Ways that we pursue God. Expressions of our life pursuing God because he wants relationship with us. He doesn't want to be a sugar daddy. Because if God gave you everything you wanted, you'd be a spoiled fat brat. Right? He's like, no, I wouldn't. Yes, you would. You know it. Because God doesn't want us just to go to him because he gives us stuff. The best moments I have with my kids is when I'm just hanging with them, hugging onto them, loving on them, just because they want me to be around. Okay, so listening for God, 1 Samuel 3, 7. The Bible, um, there's a lot in this moment, uh, paraphrase. Samuel did not know the Lord. This is young Samuel, a prophet in the Old Testament, because he had never had a message from the Lord before. He had never heard God's voice, in other words. So the Lord called a third time, and Samuel, who was the boy's, um, or Eli, excuse me, Eli was Samuel's, um, like, mentor. And he said to Eli, here I am, did you call me? And then Eli realized that it was the Lord who was calling Samuel. So he said to him, go lie down again, and when you hear the voice, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel had to learn how to tune his ear into the voice of God. This is something, guys, that is developed. And as you pursue God, you're going to begin to feel or hear or sense something that is different. And you have to learn to tune your spiritual ears into what God is saying to you. Because God is a spiritual being. But we try to listen to him with our knucklehead selves. Like, I'm going to figure God out. No, you're not. You ain't smart enough. God wants to be trusted. And God will, will speak to all of us in our own individual ways. That's what's wonderful about God. It's not one size fits all. He will whisper to you. Some of you he will yell loudly to. Some of you he'll kick you in the butt like, what are you doing? Keep going. Some of you, he'll speak to you through the word of God being, hopefully all of us, but he'll, he'll speak to you through the word. He'll speak to you through confirmations. There's so many times, like even in preparing for this message, I turned on the TV yesterday, confirmation. I'm reading my devotional. There's another confirmation. So I knew that I knew, all right, God, this is what you want me to preach on. Speaking of, I have like three minutes left. So here we go. So thank God God was persistent. He spoke to Samuel three different times. He kept going after him. When we seek after God, big things happen because the king of kings is involved. I want to share this uh, two last stories and I'm done. Mouse and elephant, it's about these two friends. They were best friends. They hung out together all the time. The mouse was riding on the elephant's back. And one day, they crossed a wooden bridge, causing the bridge to bow, break, creak, sway under the combined weight of both the elephant and the mouse. After they were across, the mouse, impressed at their ability looked back at the bridge, and he said to the elephant, we sure shook up that bridge, didn't we? I want to say something here. Guess who the mouse is? God is the elephant, and we're the mouse. And we try to take credit, like, look at what we did. Again, when God is on your side, 
He's the one doing the shaking. We're the tiny mouse in this scenario. And don't you forget it. All right, last thought here. Um, this is as we close. Uh, this is called Your Loving Substitute. This is a, a devotion that I, I read, and it just it's so powerful. Um, Pastor Lindsay or, or Brandon, if you guys wouldn't mind coming as we uh, close this part, it would be great. Thank you. A little girl named Liz was suffering from a rare and serious disease. Her only chance of recovery appeared to be a blood transfusion from her five-year-old brother who had miraculously survived the same disease and had developed the antibodies needed. The doctor explained the situation and asked the little boy if he would be willing to give his blood to his little sister. He hesitated for only a moment, but then taking a deep breath, said, yes, yes, I'll do it. As the transfusion began and then uh, progressed, he laid in the bed next to his sister and he smiled. As they all did, seeing the color returning to her cheeks, the little boy's face grew pale and his smile began to fade. I'm sorry, this is... He looked up the doctor and he asked with a trembling voice, will I start to die right away? The little boy had misunderstood the doctor. He thought that he was going to have to give his sister all of his blood to save her life. The boy loved his sister so much that he's willing to die for her instead of live. <clears throat> this story, I don't know if it's true or not, is simply an illustration of what loving substitution means. God loves you. This amazing, wonderful message that we're preaching about today is that God wants to be in your life. Amen. And he's, he did send his son, Jesus Christ, to come and die in your place, in my place. I don't deserve the freedom that I walk in. Pastor Richard preached a beautiful message a few weeks ago about it not being fair. And I think about that all the time. The, the blessings that I have in my life are not fair because of how good God has been in my life. And I'm sure you can say the same thing. It's not fair. It's not fair that Jesus had to die in my place, but he did it willingly. He had every opportunity to walk away because he knew what it meant to be a child of the king. But he also knew what it meant to die so we could understand that same mentality Amen. to where we don't have to live less than, but we can live as children of the Most High God. Yeah. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your presence in this place. I thank you, Father, for this message that you've put on my heart. And I pray, Lord, that it penetrates the simple minds of men today. And it goes to, straight to the, the seedbed of their heart. As you're moving in this place, as someone's watching online that needs to hear this this morning, I pray, Father, that they would lay down their life and take up the best life, which is serving you. God, we need you. We welcome you. We seek you. We pursue you. place this morning or if you're watching online God is pursuing you he's not done with you he's going after you
And if you haven't fully given your life to the king, you're his child. He's running after you. And if you haven't said, all right, God, I give up. I surrender. I'm yours. If you haven't fully given your life to God, then you're not fully in. But if you're in here this this morning and you're saying, you know what? I see what God has done for me. I know that what Pastor Tristan was saying, I feel it and I'm ready to give my life to God fully. If that's you, raise your hand right now and let's pray for you. If you're online, you don't have to raise your hand, but mean this with your heart. That's If that's you in this place, and everyone with me, let's pray with them. Say, Jesus, thank you for your sacrifice. I welcome you into my life fully. Have your way. I lay my will, my ideas, my desires down, and I ask for yours. Have your way. Forgive me for my mistakes, my imperfections, my sin. And I thank you that you died on the cross so I could be a child of the King. And I know you rose again from the grave so that I could live. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give God a shout of praise this morning. God is good. He's in this place. And you are meant for more. Don't be settled or happy with where you're at. Doesn't matter where you're at. Doesn't matter how much money you have in the bank. Doesn't matter where you're at in your your life. God has more for you. He's not done. Don't stop. Thanks for joining us at Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, event registration, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook and Instagram. And please use the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you.